My brother told me to buy a graph that poop like a bunny rabbit, so I'm not sure why I wanted to poop like a bunny rabbit. Are you loving it? I might get a. Oh, not yet. Uh, test one, two, three, one, two, three. Test one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three. That looks really good though. What's that noise? What's that noise? I hear the cricket noise. Sounds <laughs> like a cricket sitting right here next to it. Well, you know about that tone that certain people can't hear because they're past a certain age? Yeah. The past that age. So now that thing is, it picks up like all the. Um, you know that you know. Oh, I just hurt myself. I'm going to hear myself. I'm going to hear myself. Oh, it picks up everything. It's like a time machine. It picks up everything. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. 
Amen. I know a lot of people in this part of the country, anyway, I don't know where you're coming in if you're watching this uh, on Facebook Live, but uh, un unseasonably and uncharacteristically cold here in the South. But uh, some people are getting exposed to cold weather. Us having been kind of raised in some northern climates, we're kind of accustomed to it being a little cold. So uh, you guys that are not like innocent and from South Florida, this is all new territory to them. But praise God for it. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight before we get started. Father, we just come into this place tonight. Uh, Lord God, just so grateful for you, Lord God. And, and uh, we just, Lord God, always just careful to give you the honor and the glory and the praise, Lord God. We thank you for the tremendous opportunity. Uh, Lord God, just to have a relationship with you, Lord God, that you were mindful of us, that you desired so much, Lord God, to know us, Lord God, to reconcile us, Lord God, that you pulled out all the stops, Lord God, by sending your son Jesus to die for us at the cross of Calvary. So, Lord God, we come, Lord God, as a, a people, Lord God, that are endeared to you, Lord God, because you endeared yourself to us. And so, Father, we glorify you tonight. And Father, we just pray for those, Lord God, that are in areas that are... Uh, Lord God, much more dangerous than us, Lord God. Father, the areas of extreme cold, Lord God, and, and treacherous driving conditions, just ask you to keep people safe, Lord God. And Father, those that, Lord God, are homeless, that find themselves, Lord God, out in the elements, Lord God, we just ask you to, to open up doors of opportunity for them to come indoors, Lord God, to care for them. Father, for those that have been battling through, Lord God, this uh, attack on this uh, influenza, Lord God, of all different types of strands. Father, we thank you that the blood of Jesus is still enough, Lord God, to bring healing and restoration. So, Lord God, be that one, Lord God, that touches and heals as our, our great physician. So, Lord God, we come tonight, Lord God, and we thank you for your word, which continues to be the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. And we just ask you, Lord God, give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding tonight. This causes us, Lord God, to just, uh, just to grow in our depth and our intimacy with you, Lord God. Just let us know you in a, in a more tremendous way. Just open up your word. Give us a, a hunger, Lord God, that insatiable thirst, Lord God, to drink from that wellspring of life. Lord God, and we thank you, Lord God, that your mercy endures forever. Lord God, that your goodness, Lord God, is, is so much greater, Lord God, uh, Father, even than our, our shortcomings and failures, Lord God. So tonight we just come to you, Lord God, with uh, hearts of humility, Lord God, our minds open, and our desire, Lord God, for more of you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Once again, good to have you folks tonight. All of you bundled up folks here in, in southeast Louisiana, you guys that are joining us through Facebook Live. If the audio is a little weird, we're, we're working on a new system. I hope the fish, uh, the uh, the video is a lot clearer. We're going to clear up uh, this week on getting that stuff a little bit better. Figure we're going to teach. You might as well be able to see what you're, you're hearing and hearing what you're seeing. And so we'll work on that. But good to have you guys tonight. We're going to continue in our expository look uh, through the Epistle of Galatians tonight. And we're in that final that final chapter, that sixth chapter of the book of Galatians. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. Anybody remember where we were in chapter one? Nope. You remember that? Amen. Good stuff there, too. You know, this is just six loaded uh, chapters in that. And so uh, maybe we can get Gideon to take on uh, maybe the book of Deuteronomy sometime. <laughs> he said, I'd love to do that. Amen. He's a gamer if he'd love to take that one on. But bless the Lord. Uh, Galatians chapter 6. Uh, last week, folks, if you remember, we dealt with the subject matter of sowing and reaping. And the, and the need to live uh, really after the way of the Spirit if you desire to see spiritual results rather than living after the sinful nature, which always and ultimately produces death. And so the whole law of sowing, sowing and reaping, it, that's that law that you just can't get away from. You know, it's, it's funny. I was thinking about this this week and different people and, and, and really false religions you know, you think about, uh, what is it, uh, Buddhism that has the, uh, the karma, 
Did it, Buddhism is karma? And you know what's karma? Well, kind of what goes around comes around? Well, it's not what goes around comes around. It's whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So they have to adopt the principles that are timeless. And these, these, uh, these principles that, that false religions even adopt are things that existed with God throughout eternity. So you can repackage those things in anything that you want to. And, uh, and you can provide a, a, an imposter element. And so it makes Buddhism look like it's something that people gravitate towards. Why? Because they just adopt an eternal law and a principle that you just can't get away from. And so people say, well, look at Buddhism. Karma. Well, that's not karma. That's the law of sowing and reaping that it predates everything. And so because it existed with God. So we looked at that, and we need to really sow into the, the things of the Spirit. Uh, that way we can reap the things of the Spirit. And so this week we're going to be looking at the next two verses in this study, and if you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to begin looking at verses 9 and 10 tonight, and I'll just read those to you as we dive in. And Paul the Apostle addressing the church at Galatia, he says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, uh, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do it to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. I'll read that again. So let's not uh, get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those of the family of faith. I want to take on kind of that first statement that the apostle makes. He says, so let's not get tired of doing that which is good. And maybe your King James Version says, let's not grow weary in well-doing. Folks, just keep in mind tonight that, that this really comes on the tail end of the Apostle Paul addressing the church in regards to that soul to the Spirit. And so within the context, the framework of this passage, he had been saying, listen, you need to sow to the Spirit. You need to invest in those things that are spiritual. Then he goes on, he says, don't get tired of doing those things that are good. Well, what are those things that are good? The things that are good are always those things that invest in the Spirit. We're told through the Word of God that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from God, the Father of life. See, there's no shadow of turning. There's no variableness. There's, there's, there's no indecision. There's no indiscretion. There's everything. It's always good. It's always perfect. We see that in Romans 12 and 2 about the will of God. And so he says, listen, you, what you need to do is you constantly got to press in to invest in those things that are good. Folks, listen, the only things that are good are those things that are eternal. Why? Because Scripture says that there's none good not even one. Well, folks, there's a goodness that comes upon us, but where does that come down from? It comes down from God. So if there's anything good, if there's anything that is, uh, that, that's sustainable, it's going to be those things that are internal that come down from God. So anything good has got to also be eternal. And so it's got to be built upon the platform and, the, and within the framework of those things that are of God. And so those things that are, in ple are pleasing or in agreement with the will of God. Now, I say that, and doesn't that kind of sound simple enough? That if I don't want to grow weary in well-doing, or in doing those things that are good, uh, I'm just going to keep doing that. Does that sound simple? It sounds simple enough, doesn't it? It, it? it doesn't sound easy enough. But it's easy enough if I'm just going to keep just doing good things. Or That's precisely, though, why most people that I've seen that are believers fail in their walk with God. It's that one issue right there because they simply get tired of following Christ and not seeing the results that they expect to see within the time frame that they've allotted 
to God. If I just said, just take a minute that you knew somebody that you said to yourself, man, man, I remember when that person really used to be on fire for the Lord. Let's just take that terminology. And you said, man, they were really doing good. Maybe it was somebody that had, had really come out of a difficult background or whatever. And, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, people uh, will say, listen, man, I, I hit rock bottom, so there's nowhere to go but up. And so, you know, maybe they were in prison or maybe they had a drug problem. Or maybe they had a failed marriage or, 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 or lost a child to some, some disease or, or, or suddenly to death or something like that. And so they were at rock bottom and all of a sudden, you know what, somebody presented the gospel to them. And things began to change. We got sobered up. I, I was able to keep a job. My marriage got put, put back together. Then all of a sudden, you know, they're saying to themselves, well, uh, but some other things that I desire aren't happening. Then they grow weary in well-doing. Now, folks, listen, if I've seen anything disqualify people from the call to ministry, it's that one issue right there. I've seen people that said, listen, I wanna, I'm going to give God so much time. And they put God on this proverbial stopwatch. And it's, okay, God, you've got a year, or you've got two years, or you've got five years. And as long as it happens within that time frame, I'm on board with you, God. But the second it begins to extend into uh, uh, extra innings or, you know, or overtime, it's like, you know what, God, you had your shot. And I gave you that part of my life, but you just didn't deliver the goods in the, within the expected time. What ends up happening? And those people began to fall away. But you know, I look at the, the scripture and I look at those that, that God has used to do tremendous things. And even in, in contemporary life, and when I say contemporary, I'm talking about in the last 50 or 100 years. Those that we can look at that they're outside of biblical history and within the framework of our history. You know, you look at great men of God or, or people, that, men of renown. Look at somebody like Smith Wigglesworth. I think Smith Wigglesworth was like 40 years old or so before he ever entered the ministry. Now, when you, when you say a name, especially within Spirit-filled uh, uh, communities, you hear Smith Wigglesworth and you immediately think of people getting raised from the dead. I mean, when you think of Smith Wigglesworth, what do you think of? Those that have heard that name before. You don't think of, man, that guy really, man, there's a great message I heard from Smith Wigglesworth. I can tell you one single thing Smith Wigglesworth preached. Can anybody? But I can certainly tell you the times and the testimonies of people, him praying for people and having the faith. I think he was formerly a plumber is what he was. And all of a sudden, he got radical for Jesus, and he just started believing God to do miracles. And so, but he was a guy that laid in life. Look at Moses. What was he, 40 years old when he got booted out of, uh, of, of Egypt after uh, killing the, the, the Egyptian? And how old was he when he came back? He was, he was 40 years, so he was 80 years. And so, then how old was he, was he when the children of Israel finally entered the promised land? Uh, a million? He was 120. And so, man, I'm glad that he didn't grow weary. Well, dude, and I know Joshua and those that entered the promised land were also great, uh, grateful that he didn't grow weary. Well, dude, look at Abraham. And so you took, look at the promises of God. And I praise God that he used people throughout the scripture that didn't grow weary in well-doing, that saw something happening, were willing to hold on and not to let go. They were willing to endure through those situations. And 2 Timothy 14 describes this really kind of the, and we talked about here, that former uh, ministry partner and traveling companion of Paul the Apostle. And it says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and he's now departed. And you remember we talked about this. I'm, I'm not sure what the context was in Galatians. But we talked about those that failed to wait. And for Demas, when we talk about he loved this present world, or for us we think of loving the present world as worldliness. And it's typical... Uh, we typically think of it in terms of sinfulness or the works of the flesh, uh, which obviously both of those things are enemies of righteousness. 
But if you remember when we talked about this, what it, what this loving this present world that it literally meant that not that he was engaged in worldly things, but it was that word Iona, which meant a cycle of time. And so it simply meant that Demas grew weary in well-doing. So Demas, we were doing good things. We were seeing some tremendous things happen. And you can imagine hanging around for any length of time with Paul the Apostle. Uh, you're going to see some things happen. Now, they may not happen with breakneck speed. I've said for years, just because you can read the book of Acts in three hours doesn't mean it happened in three hours. And so obviously there were some downtimes in the life of Paul the Apostle. When they traveled, it wasn't like us catching a two-hour flight from New Orleans to Miami. It wasn't even like driving 11 hours from New Orleans to Daytona or five hours to, to Houston. I mean, you had a commitment. And so there were times where there was a lot of drudgery. And so what we see is we see all of those things kind of squeezed into the collective of a, of a, of a, of a Bible that we can read in, in, in 90 days. Now, but if we look at it stretched out over time, these were people that had to find themselves dialed in to just what Paul the Apostle was trying to tell the people of Galatia. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Don't find yourself drawing back just because things aren't happening at the pace and the speed that you think they should happen. You know, Melly and I, we got married at 19 years old. Man, praise God. Went that way it Going on 51 this year, we can both say we've been married 31 years, going on 32 years this year. Well, we got to jump on things. Uh, some of you guys, Gideon, you were how old last year when you, when Kim got, you and uh, Christina got married? 31. 31? Well, Roy, you were 40. And so for you guys to catch up to us at 31, 32 years, well, you're going to be significantly older. Well, that doesn't mean that you got a lesser wife. You guys were blessed with some tremendous wives and partners in the ministry. Just because it happened a few years later than it may have happened in our life, man, I tell you what, because you, did, because you didn't get weary and you waited, man, you guys scored some top-notch women of God in your life. So that's the product of those things. It's so when he says, don't grow weary in well-doing, folks, you can't say just because somebody else gets something delivered sooner than I did, that doesn't mean that I'm going to get something less. And so somebody like a Demas in this case, what he did is he got tired of waiting. He saw miracles. He saw the great works. But those laws and those times of, okay, what's next? You know, what's, what, what is it that's going to go on? Well, sometimes folks, even in our spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, we think that we just got to somehow just be spiritually entertained all the time. We've got to stay busy all the time. Well, sometimes where you grow and where you learn is in those quiet times, those times on the backside of the wilderness like, 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 uh, like Moses was, where nothing's happening and you don't have all of these things that are constantly interfering, which is simply being able to hear the voice of God. You know, you think about a place, and people sit from afar, they think about the training center. They see us, you know, on the streets. They see the Thursday night visitation, the Friday night uh, ministry. They see the, the Saturday uh, ministry on the streets. But if you take and you do the math on that, and, you know, we get associated with, oh, we know all about Raven Ministries. It's all about Bourbon Street. Well, you know, that's a couple hours on Thursday, about three on Friday, and, you know, about another three on, on Saturday. So there's just eight hours. Folks, there's a lot more going on in the week than eight hours on Bourbon Street. You know what? Yeah, well, that's kind of a flagship thing, and we love it, and we're making the impact. And that's what draws people's attention just because of the notoriety of the street like that. But we're not defined in our relationship with God by what we do on Bourbon Street. Well, because, you know, there's other times, there's 
study in the Word here. There's there's ministry to the, the homeless on Tuesdays. There's a Bible study that, that happens uh, in the Raven's Nest on, on, on Tuesday evenings. There's ministry that happens at a bus stop on, on Sunday morning. and it, So I, the list goes on. So there's a lot of other things that happen. But you know what? There's other times when there's nothing happening. Where it's just maybe me sitting in my office at my desk drinking coffee, reading the Bible, or, 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 or Davidson up here, you know, helping in the kitchen, or, uh, or, or PJ and, and Miss Beth, you know, uh, organizing something here and doing all the legwork for those other things, waiting for something else to happen. And so those God is going to be poured out and everybody's going to be falling out and all these things are going to happen. Well, it's, it's not. But I tell you what, in 22 years of ministering on that street, man, if I took all the testimonies and I pushed them together, man, I could write a nice volume in a book that would get people shouting and happy. But they could read that book in two or three hours, but you can't live that experience in two or three hours or two or three weeks or even two or three years. All of those things are combined over time. And so our testimony is not built in a moment. Our testimony is built over many days and many hours and not growing weary in well-doing. And folks, see, that's really what changes things in our hearts and lives, a willing to allow those things to compound over, over that, those, those, those ebbs and flows and those seasons that God brings into our life. Most people that fall away from the Lord are just not willing for those things to happen. Weary literally means to become exhausted through the negative influence. Listen to this for a second. To be weary means to become exhausted through the negative influence associated with delayed outcome or expectation. Man, I just, is it even worth it? Man, I'm just, I'm tired of waiting. How many of you have ever said, regardless of what it was about, you've used those, that terminology, whether it's with your mouth or, 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 or with your heart. Listen, I'm just, I'm tired of waiting. Tired of waiting. Well, what are you doing then? You're growing weary in well-doing. Tired of waiting on what? Well, folks, listen, sometimes the wait is really the work. And that's really where we are defined, and that's where character's built. And so let's just change the word. Well, I'm tired of allowing God to move in my life. I'm tired of God preparing me for eternity. I'm tired of, of, of God doing something that's going to outlast the moment. That's really what we're saying in those things without really ever saying it. And so that's what claimed Demas. It wasn't that Demas heard some get-rich-quick scheme. It wasn't that Demas said, you know what, man? I saw a hot chick on the backside of the Mojave Desert. It wasn't that. He just said, listen, man, I put enough time in and I'm not seeing the results happening within the time. There's just too much downtime. Man, Paul is just sitting in there. What's the guy doing? Man, shouldn't we be out there stirring up some city? Shouldn't we be out there doing street ministry right now? Shouldn't we be out there contending with, 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 with Festus? Shouldn't we be doing all these things? Man, the guy's in there. And I don't think, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if the guy's alive. He's, you know, he's, man, he's back to that. I, I praise God that I speak in tongues more than y'all. He says, I don't even understand what he's saying, man. He's not speaking to me. He's speaking to God. And I'm just not getting anything out of that. That doesn't do anything to me. Folks, that, that's the weariness that claimed Demas. Don't let it be the, the weariness that claims you in allowing that time of cultivation, the time of, of, of God really doing something deep. So he it also has claimed other followers of Christ over the centuries. And like I said, I could name a plethora of people, just innumerable folks that I've known in, in nearly 30 years of ministry, that they were claimed by weariness. The Galatian church, obviously, we know that they heard 
the message of the gospel. They heard the, the, the message of the gospel of grace, uh, justification through faith. They heard that, and they actually experienced what it meant. You know, Paul was talking to people that he was intimate with, and they knew what it meant to be reconciled unto God. They knew what it meant to, to share in a personal relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit. So we're not talking about people on the fringes. We're not talking about people that were just getting introduced. To we're talking about people that had a significant investment in their life. And so the thing, though, that snared them was this thing that was an unhealthy and dangerous misconception concerning that thing called time. That's what got them. That's what made them such an easy foil for the deception of the, of the Judaizers. Now, Paul the Apostle, you know what? He preached the word. He, he preached the word that was that's timeless, that they, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that do what? Those that are all busy themselves? No, it's those that wait upon the Lord. See, they shall renew their strength. They'll run and they'll not grow weary. They'll walk and they'll not faint. Those that do what? Those that wait upon the Lord. Those that are patient. Those that endure. Those that just serve the Lord, whatever that looks like. And so all of a sudden, here's these people that are having to go through the, 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 the motions of life. And all of a sudden, the Judaizers show up and say, what are you guys doing? Well, we're just not growing weary and well-doing. We're just doing what he told us to do. Well, what is that? We're just having faith. Well, I don't see you having faith. When's the last time you, you, you did something? When's the last time you got circumcised? When's the last time you made a, an offering? Well, so that's what he wants? Yeah, if you're going to be doing something, you guys don't look like you're doing anything. We're, we're, we pray and we're, we're walking in righteousness and our lives have been changed. Yeah, but I want to see you doing something. I want to see something that's getting the Facebook likes. I want to do something that, that, that people are oohing and on about. And so they showed up at the scene and they began to present the law. And they said, listen, if you want to get some attention, let me show you what you can do. Man, let the ringlets around your ears grow out and, and start wearing little fringes on your, your coat. That's going to get people's attention. Start keeping the feast. Start, you know, give up eating pork chops and have people ask you why you don't, you don't, you don't want to eat a hot dog. Man, that's going to get people's attention. You see how easy it is to grow weary in well-doing and somebody show up and they say, listen, serving God is about getting noticed. Well, actually, serving God is about not getting noticed. It's about decreasing so that he can increase. And if they do notice something, they just notice him through what you're doing. They don't notice you doing something in the name of him. Did you catch that? Folks, it doesn't mean you don't do anything. It just means what you do had better bring attention to him. Otherwise, the second that it brings attention to you, when you don't get attention to, in doing it any longer, what do you do? You move on. And folks, have we not seen that? People say, listen, I'm going to do something. Or they come to a place like New Orleans and they do street ministry and people notice it. But after a while, you know, man, we're not getting the attention that we thought. And so they move on. Now, folks, I love what I do, not because I get the attention. I love what I do because... I'm not going to grow weary in well-doing. Because what people can see happening now didn't happen overnight. It's happened through a timeless investment over many seasons, over many difficult times, over much sacrifice and, 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 and many times of suffering. That's the product of those things. And so but what happens is like Demas and obviously people we know, what they do is they entered in, this is like they entered into faith, they had this great... Uh, 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 sincerity, they had these great noble intentions, yet they made the mistake that people make, they based the relationship with Christ upon expectations rather than upon eternity. We'll say that again. 
And when you base your relationship with Christ upon personal expectations rather than the promise of eternity, over time, the cares of this world, whatever they are, are going to choke out the urgency that's associated with pursuing after the things of God. And so there's certain expectations that people build that are really not eternal. What they are is they're these temporal things. And so it's as bad as it was, as bad as that happened in the time of the, the writing of this epistle, I think that these things have probably exponentially grown worse and worse and become a greater threat to the spiritual condition of the body of Christ than ever before now. And the reason for it today is the presentation and the promises that are now associated with serving Jesus. Folks, there's things that are presented, there's things that are promised now that weren't promised 2,000 years ago. That Jesus never promised people, but now we've got these pulpiteers and these self-proclaimed prophets and quote-unquote men of God that are making promises to people that God never made. God is faithful to watch over His Word. God's promises are yes and amen. And second-hand promises and all these things that other people present and they lay claim and say they're God. Folks, listen, God is not obligated to someone else. And so we have books that are written, have your best life now. Folks, that's the Judaizers' message. You know, you Galatians, man, listen, Paul's telling you just endure to the end, then you'll be saved. That's what he's telling you to do. But I'm trying to have your best life now. Yeah, you can do all that, but man, there's a lot of things. Folks, listen, what if you don't get it now? Did, did God fail? Or God will take away your heavy burdens. But what if it takes more than a week? Some of you have gone through heavy burdens. I know I have. And, and some of those things... You know what? I didn't just, just cast them off in a day or a minute. Man, some of that stuff took a long time to cast off. I had to work on those things. Or come lay it all down at the altar. Does that mean that I don't have to face the consequence of those things? You know, a few tears at an altar on a Sunday morning doesn't mean that I escaped that law that we're talking about tonight of the lost sowing and reaping. That means that, listen... I'm going to do it. I'm going to understand that I may get tossed into the fire like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, but I'm going to come out. Regardless of what happens in there, you know what? Man, I'm not going to bow down to time. I'm not going to find myself yielding to world answer. God will meet all of your needs. Come get saved. And God got a wonderful plan for your life, and he's going to meet all of your needs. Well, what if you find out that those things that you thought you needed were really things that you just wanted? And God's not obligated to meet all of your wants according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Look at Luke 17, 20 in regard to this. It says that one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. Another translation says the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. If you feel more spiritual for me to use the King James vernacular, I don't mind doing that for you. He said, when will the kingdom come? And Jesus said, the kingdom of God can't be detected with visible signs. It's not going to be anything with ocular evidence. In other words, it's not going to be something that is manifested or realized just through what you see. So, folks, if John the Baptist, Jesus, Peter, we can go through the, 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 the list, Paul, preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, should we expect something to happen immediately, or at least real soon, so we can affirm that? Isn't that what John came preaching? The kingdom is at hand. And so if I said, listen, I've got a dollar in my hand, and it's at hand, then you're going to think that I can reach out and grab that and take possession of it. So what if 
it's not real soon? What if it's not like going to happen in the next moment? Does that mean that the kingdom is any less at hand? Folks, it really doesn't. Why? Because the kingdom doesn't come with ocular evidence, with outside, with visible evidence. It doesn't come with those things that we can see with our eyes. Why? Because the kingdom is inside of us. And so if I ask you today, I said, Christina, can you describe for me right now? Can you tell me, describe your, uh, your pancreas to me. What's it look like right now? You say, I don't know. I can't see that thing. Yeah, you kind of know generally where it's at. Do you know? Do you know what side of your body it's on? She's like, got this look on her face. She's like, I'm pointing to the left, but I really don't know. But I got two choices, and I'm 50-50. Well, but your confidence is you have one. You don't know what it looks like, and you probably don't even know what it does completely. You know, well, kind of, you know, people regulates blood sugar and some other things, and other than that, it's a pancreas. You know. How about your appendix? You know what side that's on? It's on the left, the right. She just said it's on the left or the right. I guarantee it is on the left or the right there, Amy Baldwin. It's on the left or the right or in the middle with her. Do you know what it does? Well, you don't. You just know it's there because you haven't had it removed. Folks, it's the same thing. When we're, you know what? When we, we know that something's happening, we know that something's important. And I don't need to know what it looks like. I don't have to have the ocular evidence to believe that it's there. Folks, I've never seen my own heart physically. I've never seen my own brain. I've never seen the, 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 some of the inner workings of my internal organs. But you know what? The evidence isn't not what I see. It's in what I know because of the life that they present to me. And folks, that's what the kingdom is. The kingdoms are those things that give us life. It's not just those things that we can see beating or that we can see pumping air or, or doing whatever function that it is underneath the surface. Man, it's, it's realizing the promises of God. Folks, listen, the promises and the blessings of God for you and, and, and not whether, you know, once you get the right position or you get to be a part of the right ministry. It's those things that are much more real than that. Why? Because they outlast all of that stuff. It's built upon those things that are eternal. Colossians chapter 3, uh, 1 through 5 puts it this way. Paul speaking again. He said, since you then have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. When he's speaking of above, he's not talking about up in the sky. He's just talking about those things that, that have a higher place. Set your, things, or your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, your thought life on those things above and not on earthly things. Now listen to this, for you died, speaking of the new birth, and your life is now hidden with him, with Christ in God. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, those things that need something to happen right now. So folks, our encouragement should always be built upon those things that are eternal. We should always be looking for things that are eternal. So let's not grow weary in doing what is good. So how do we go about doing this? In our life? How do we go about not growing weary in well-doing? You with three appendixes, don't you want to know how to, God, how do I do those things that don't cause me to grow weary in well-doing? I'm glad you asked. And we're going to find part of that answer in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. 
And it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let's run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You know, you think about the, the, the sin that so easily trips us up or the sin that so easily besets us. You know, most of you, I'd like to think in this, this, this room, are not those sins mentioned in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10 or the works of the flesh mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. What's the sin? What's the, the, the thing that causes you to miss the mark that holds you back the most? Sometimes it's just that issue of time, isn't it? It's lack of patience. God, the sin that trips me up is I'm impatient. The thing that trips me up is that I need something to happen and I need it to happen now. Well, he says, strip that thing off of you. Don't grow weary in well-doing. And he says in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12, he said, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Where did Jesus come from? He came from eternity, right? And who is he? He is the everlasting Father. He is the great I Am. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So keep your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates the perfect and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross. Somebody say he endured the cross. He disregarded the shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And so here's the key, verse 3. He said, think of all the hostility that he endured. Okay? from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. After all, verse 4, you have not yet given your lives to the struggle against sin. You've not suffered under blood, is another translation. And so, when you want to give up, be grateful that he didn't give up, is what he said. So you want to know how not to grow weary and well-doing? Be grateful that he didn't call angels to pull him down from that cross, short of the redemptive work of the cross of Calvary. And so when you... Uh, want to give up, be grateful when he stumbled and fell that he made his way all the way up Golgotha's hill. Be, be, be grateful that when they were beating him and spitting upon the face of the Son of the living God who, 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 who knew no sin, who knew no failure, that at any time could have delivered himself from the arm of the, the afflictors, didn't give up. That he continued to allow himself to be wounded for your transgressions, to be bruised for your iniquities. He allowed the chastisement for our peace to be laid upon him. He allowed himself to be, uh, be smitten and, and striped for our healing. Well, if God endured for me, can I not endure for him? That's what the, 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 the writer of Hebrews is saying. He said, after all, when is it that you've had to suffer under blood? When is it that waiting has really cost you anything that valuable? When is it that waiting or just enduring just for, or putting up with somebody or, or putting up with something that may not be absolutely the most comfortable, when does it really cost you anything great big? That's what he's saying. Well, not a single one of us in this room can say, well, I'll tell you what, I waited upon God and so it cost me everything. Well, it cost you nothing. It may have cost you a little discomfort. It may have cost you having to do something that you didn't want to do. But not a single one of us have suffered under blood. So the next time he says you think about giving up, he said, here's how you do it. Think on the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Folks, you show me somebody that is weary and well-doing, and I'm going to show you a person that has disregarded the finished work of the cross of Calvary. 
You show me a person that doesn't want to endure through life's trials, and I'm going to show you a person that has called the blood of Jesus and the cross of Calvary a common thing. That they've reduced the, the power and the authority of the very change agent that God brought into this world that gave us an opportunity to be reconciled unto Him. Weary and well-doing could easily be translated, I gave up on the cross. I do not see a value in the cross of Calvary. Folks, I don't know about you, but man, that puts things in perspective for me. That makes me say, listen, as much as I wanted to gripe and complain, man, I can't allow my complaints, I can't allow my griping, I can't allow my momentary suffering, the things that I'm enduring, to nullify what Jesus Christ has done for me at the cross of Calvary. Folks, that's how he said you do it. And so when you think it's, uh, time is moving slow, consider that he stepped out of eternity, he stepped out of time for you. If you think it's not, God lived outside of time, and all of a sudden he took upon time. Everything slowed down for him. Why? Because this is the one that existed outside of time, and suddenly he put himself in it. It'd be like taking, uh, uh, what's his name, Usain Bolt. The, the world record holder in the in the the, the 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 hundred meters. I think probably he may hold it the two hundred meters. The guy's fast from Jamaica. They said, listen, we're gonna put you in a race and it's for all the marbles. But here's the problem. You're the only guy that's got to run in quicksand. And so you gotta put everything on the line that you've ever accomplished. It all comes down to one race. Everyone else is running on a fast track, but you're gonna to have to run in quicksand. Folks, that's exactly what it was like when Christ came down outside of time in comparison to racing Usain Bolt in quicksand. That's really what it would look like. Everything came to a halt, so to speak. Folks, that's exactly what he did for us. So if you think that, listen, time's moving slow, consider what he went through. When circumstances seem too much to bear, be glad that it hasn't cost you your very life like it did the life of the Son of the living God. Isn't that what James 1.4 says? The patience have its perfect work so we can be complete. We can be an entire, then we won't lack anything. And so patience can really equal not growing weary and well-doing, knowing that you'll reap that which has been perfected through Christ if you don't grow weary. That's what patience should be. So I think about personal testimony, especially in ministry. I think about the things that, that Melly and I get to see. And, and by extension, and some of you guys, uh, Joe and Beth, Pastor Joe and Beth, uh, obviously, in other ones, Pastor Alex and Holly, that get to see the product of patience. You know, I, I, I used to hear, here's one of our favorite old lines was, it'll never work. Well, it won't if you grow weary and well-doing. Well, here's what we believe. Here we were on 713 North Johnson in this old dilapidated building on the bad side of town, you know, surrounded by... By, by, by drugs and prostitution and homelessness. And we're saying, man, we're believing God's going to do something in the city of New Orleans. Man, there's enough lost people here in Amarillo. You're not going anywhere. That's all nice. That's a good thing. Well, no, we believe God's going to give us a training center there. Oh, that sounds real good. Yeah, just keep on believing. It'll never work. Full circle. Yeah, you'll fail. You'll be back here. We heard all that stuff. But man, they didn't understand. We weren't looking at the moment. We were looking at the promise that didn't exist in the confines of time. Well, see, it's 20 and 18. When we stepped out, it was 2003. 
What we do, man, we endure through the struggle. We endure through times of hunger. We endure through many times of lack. We endure through many times of, of discouragement. We endure through times of sickness. And we endure through those things. Why? Because that's just what you do when you trust Jesus. Because he became the reality. And like I said this past Sunday, what we did is we allowed our faith to outperform our fear. And so when faith outperforms your fear, you don't grow weary in well-doing. And so you don't give up on your faith in Jesus. You don't give up in pursuing his promises. You don't give up on radical obedience. You don't give up on facing delayed realizations. Why? Because in due season, in due season is what he says. That word do, it's a word that means idios. And it's, it means that which is particular to the individual. In other words, it's individually your own. Now, folks, listen. For us, man, it's taken a long time. Indeed, we endured 14 years of, of working in a church that God was preparing us. Maybe we were hard-headed. Maybe it took 14 years for God to get our, our attention. But, you know, I, I'm in good company in the Bible. You know, David, it took 14 years from the time that, that, that Samuel came into his house until he... Until he went to the, to the throne and took over for Saul. It was 14 years that before Paul the Apostle, after his Damascus Road experience, before he was formally introduced to the, to the, the apostles in Jerusalem. It was 14 years after Joseph was thrown into the pit, had that great dream that he ascended to the second man. So we're a good company. Maybe we were just as hard-headed and it took us a long time like it did them. But you know what? Your situation and your time is going to be uniquely yours. My prayer is that it won't take Courtney 14 years. It may take her a year, a couple years. And that season of waiting is uniquely hers. And so every single one, if we've got something that's uniquely us, that God is, is working those things out of our hearts and life to bring us to that place. And so the best time for someone else may not be the best time for you. Do you hear me? The best time for someone else may not be the best time for you. You know, I, I can go back, I, won't, I can use Roy as, as an example. This is Kind of, I'll make kind of an announcement here that on February, uh, was it the 11th? The evening service during Mardi Gras, we're going to officially uh, 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 ordain. ordain. I had another word in my head. <laughs> meant the same thing, it wasn't that word. We're going to officially ordain him. We've licensed him. We're going to ordain him and set him apart as a pastor. So Roy Ayers Mendez is going to be Pastor Roy. And it's not that something supernatural is going to happen and he's going to suddenly get a title on the February 11th. That's not what it's about. It's not getting a title. What it is is time has created a pastor in that man that didn't exist five years ago. And so because he was willing to endure through those sufferings, certain things have happened. Man, God has brought him a tremendous helpmate that's qualified for that. You know what? So my timing wasn't his timing, but the timing of God is all that. So... What he does is he gets to be a benefit of somebody else's timing. Do you hear me? And so the thing that God spoke to me 20-something years ago about planting a church in, in the French Quarter, man, I had to endure until this guy got in on time. Why? Because he's going to take the responsibility to do that. And so he's not coming in late in the vision. He's just continuing out that timing that God has. You see, so he thought he had to wait. Man, I was waiting right along with you. God, when are you going to get that guy raised up? When are you going to send him? When are you going to put the part of a pastor in a person so we can set them aside and set them uh, and present them forward to do the work that you called them to do? And so just because it's your time doesn't mean it's somebody else's time. But at the end of the day, all of those things start working together. And so due season means 
just the right time for you, and it you got to hear this. It generally presents itself right after you don't faint and you don't give up. Isn't that what it is? Your due season usually is the next step after you didn't faint. Because you'll never have a due season if you keep fainting. And so you don't know what it's going to be, but I, here's my promise to you. That your due season is on the other side of do not faint. And so when I hold fast, when I keep pressing, when I put my hand to the plow and I don't look back, you know what I expect? I expect that there's a due season somewhere coming in my life. Faint literally, literally means to let completely out, as in to entirely succumb to something. So he says, listen, in due season you'll reap at just the right time. On the other side, he says, you will, if you do not faint, if you don't entirely succumb to something. Now, I hope this encourages some of you. Struggling is not succumbing. It didn't say in due season you'll reap if you don't struggle. He didn't say that. He said in due season you'll reap if you don't entirely give up. Battling through something is not succumbing. Fighting the good fight of faith is not giving up. Suffering some scars in the process of that battle is not giving up, folks. Having a few letdowns in the process is not succumbing. Having to take a step back every once in a while. I'm not talking about looking back. I'm just talking about taking a step back and disengaging from what you thought was, was, was God's voice. And, and, and regrouping is not succumbing. Okay? And so if you thought to yourself, man, man, I've been through some battles. I've got some scars. I made some mistakes. And man, I had some missteps. Folks, don't grow weary in that. That's part of the well-doing. It's you, you, you can gauge your, 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 your commitment more through your challenges than you'll ever do it through your victories. You hear me? Proverbs 24, 16 says, A just man falls seven times, but he rises again. A just man may fall seven times, but he's going to rise again. Folks, listen. Not growing weary and well-doing means, listen, Man, I, I may fall down. I may be like that guy that's going to run that marathon. And I may trip up. I may have to put my hands on my hips and stop and get a drink every once in a while. But I tell you what, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop until I get past that 26-mile mark. I'm going to keep running. I may not be your pace. I may not be setting any world records. But you know what? I'm going to cross that finish line just like everyone else did. Why? Because that's what my sights are set on. So don't grow weary in doing what is good at just the right time. The right time for you may not be the right time for someone else. You will reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. I love this next verse. He says, therefore, whenever you have the opportunity, you should do good to everyone, especially those that are the household of faith. Folks, why is it so? Oh, let me put it this way. Let me ask this question. Why is it so easy for people? I'll generalize this. In the body of Christ to be more merciful to rank heathens than it is to people of the household of faith? No threat, is there? Now, here's what I mean by that. You know, they'll see compassion on some homeless alcoholic that left his wife and kids for a bottle that has no desire to reconcile. 
They'll have compassion upon him. And they'll take a video and say, look how sweet a guy he is because I bought him a pizza and he gave a piece back to me. Well, he's loved the Lord. Well, he doesn't, but man, he's so generous. He's so much better than Christians. And he says, well, you know, do good to him who despises God. Well, these are real examples that, that I've seen happen. But man, you'll pass by somebody in the body of Christ that's going through. They should just know better. Folks, I, I know people that have such a heart for for. For girls caught in uh, like sexual immorality. They do. I mean, their life is dedicated, dedicated to things like that. But man, they're as rude as anything to other people. That's not happen. Well, I think it comes to what Roy said. Listen, there's, there's no threat in that. And that becomes our good works rather than our doing good towards things that are eternal. And so folks, listen. He said... Never grow weary in taking the opportunity to do good, especially those who are the household of faith. Folks, listen. How does the world that we know were his disciples? By the love that we show one another. Not by the love that we show the world. And I think it's interesting and it's really revealing why he would say that. Because sometimes it's easier to love the world than it is my brother and sister in Christ. That we'll Go many miles. We'll spend thousands of dollars to go reach the world. But we won't even pick up the phone to call a hurting a brother and sister. I look at the 25th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. When he says, I was hungry. Did you feed me? I was naked. Did you clothe me? I was in prison. Did you come and visit me? And you remember what they asked him? When did we feed you? When did we visit you? When did we clothe you? And he said, whatever you've done to the homeless, whatever you've done to those that rejected me, whatever you've done to the unbeliever, what did he say though? He didn't say that, did he? He said, whatever you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Do you hear me? So even in all those good works, those things that we do to the brethren, we've done to Christ Jesus. And so, folks, don't grow weary. Don't put a time frame on just pursuing after the things of God. And, folks, anytime you have a chance to be an encouragement, be an encouragement to everyone. But, man, go overboard for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, give, feed that hungry guy in the corner that left his family. Yeah, do that. And by all means, preach the gospel. Bring him into the kingdom through that. But, man, if you have a brother or sister that's struggling with a light bill or, or, or can't feed their babies... Man, sacrifice for those guys. Do you hear me? So whatever you can do, man, go overboard for the body of Christ. Because in doing so, man, you're going to reap a harvest. Your time is going to come and you're going to see the benefit of laying down your life for the brethren. Amen? Father, we just thank you, Lord God. Father, we do. We want to be in hot pursuit. Lord God, a relentless pursuit of your presence, of obedience unto you. And Lord God, we want to do so, Lord God, with our eye on eternity. Lord God, not the temporal things, Lord God. So Father, let us be like those that had the cloud of witness, Lord God. Let us remind ourselves, Lord God, that you were willing through your son Jesus to endure the cross, to, to, to suffer the shame, Lord God, of those things. But you kept going, Lord God, for us. Lord God, and we haven't suffered under blood. We haven't had to give up our life for those things like you gave your life for us. And Lord God, teach us, Lord God, in doing those things. Lord God, to demonstrate 
Lord God, our willingness, willingness, Lord God, to lay our life down and invest and do good, to especially those of the household of faith. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for offering tonight our opportunity to give unto you, Lord God, to bless you and your work in the kingdom, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank <laughs> you.